0: Hey folks, Zach Ostrom, How You Insider. Indianapolis started Thursday, September 5th, 20, uh, 15th, excuse me, 2022. Across from me in the virtual podcast studios, Dustin DePerec, uh, IU Insider, Bill Herald Times. Dustin, this is, uh, as as we remind people again, we're kind of doing a Sunday night podcast recapping uh, whatever happened Saturday and then a Thursday podcast looking forward to the game at the weekend. Um, and this time we're looking forward to a Western Kentucky team that I think for a second year in a row is, is – going to prove a, a, a tricky outfit for Indiana, frankly.
1: Sorry, it took me a second to find a mute button. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, they were last year and they will be this year. I mean, obviously, they're just they, they are a offense that likes to fling it around. Obviously, the offensive coordinator that they brought in last year uh, to do that, Zach Hitley, has moved on to Texas Tech and, and Bailey Zapp, who was a quarterback. Uh, has moved on as, as has Jared Stearns, uh, but it's a new crew of guys, and you know they expect to play uh, a similar style. They, they they you know obviously were happy with that, you know like very very up tempo style of play. Um, so they went and got more guys that can do it. Austin Reed's the new quarterback. He won a Division II national championship, I think, at West Florida a couple years ago. Uh, Daywood Davis was part of the, that receiving core last year. He's already got. 11 catches for 202 yards and a touchdown. Uh, familiar face Davion Irving Poindexter, who was Indiana's uh, backup running back last year as a walk-on behind Stephen Carr and then was the starter uh, toward the end of the year when, when Carr got hurt, uh, is their leading rusher so far. And they've got a bunch of guys you can run the ball. Um, so, no, it is going to be a challenge. I mean, so far they're averaging, you know, 43 and a half points a game uh, through their first two. Uh, total offense numbers are probably crazy too. I think, you know, just short... Uh, of 400 yards a game. Um, so it's going to be interesting. But I think Indiana, I think, is specifically prepared for this. We talked a lot today, with Tom Allen, about um, just depth and how important that was and just the decision basically made to say we, we want to play 22 guys minimum on defense, uh, be able to go too deep uh, at every single position and play those guys and, you know, keep guys fresh and move, move them in and out and be willing to go two or three shifts uh, of guys at every spot. Um, you know, I, I think that's been effective so far. and I think that's something that, that that helps them particularly in this game uh, where, last, where last year when they played this group, they really seemed gassed except for a couple of guys who really, you know, just carried them through it defensively.
0: I mentioned this on a podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and I stand by it, you know, Indiana won 33 to 31 at Western Kentucky last season in a game where they led 14 to nothing. The game kind of tightened up in, in part in fairness, because I think Indiana kicked three field goals in the second quarter. Um and, and kind of stopped finding the end zone and started just sort of pulling up short, which of course became a, a, a prevailing theme that Indiana couldn't kick throughout the season. Um, but I also think, listen, as good as Western Kentucky was offensively last season, and they were really good. Like they got Bailey Zap in the NFL. Um, they led the the nation in passing yards per game. They were a remarkably good offense through the air and to their credit as well, that, that was very much by design. Like Zach Kittley came from Houston Baptist and he'd thrown the ball all over the place at that level. I think they're D two. I want to say um, maybe one double a, I think they're SCS. Yeah. a spring season and went the, wild. And like the wild. point is they threw the ball all over everyone. Then they, you know, everybody came up from Houston to, to bowling green and they threw the ball all over everyone. That being said, the extent to which Indiana was on its heels in, on defense in the second half of that game in Bowling Green last year, um, you know, as, as I really thought more in the off season about last season, that felt to me like a game as much as any where Tom Allen maybe some alarm bells were going off in his own mind, feeling like he wasn't watching what he wanted to see Indiana do on defense. That the defense that he was seeing, you know, the the defense that he built is you know, has historically, and Western Kentucky was really, really good at it, to their credit, but historically the defense Tom Allen had built in Indiana and, and probably before that at, at South Florida um, was, was constructed to try and manage offenses like that and games like that, and the extent to which Indiana just kind of, in the second half in particular, that game just looked like it could not find answers at all. Um, I'm not saying that Tom Allen overhauled the whole sort of decision-making structure on his defense purely because of that game. But if we could get him in a candid moment, I do wonder if that's a game that Tom Allen would point to and say, you know, this is maybe one of the first signs I had that something wasn't quite right.
1: And I don't think it would even be that tough to get him in a candid moment. I mean, if they win this game, especially if they win this game on Saturday and if you see a difference, um, I think that's a question we could easily ask, and we probably get an answer because I mean he has not been shy about saying uh, so far that the defense was not what he wanted it to be. And I, I would not be surprised if he could point back directly to that game because he definitely did not feel good about the way that they handled uh, the spread. But I think they, I mean, he did point out a couple of, like th- that was one game where they had two guys that were clearly operating on a higher level than everybody else, and you saw it in that game um, defensively. I, mean, I think Mike McFadden made some big plays. Taiwan Mullen made some monster plays. And that was pretty much the end of his season, basically. And he was never right after that. I don't know. He might have gotten injured in that game with a lower leg. Um, and that might have been it, you know, basically. But, I mean, Mullen made some big-time plays when they absolutely had to make them. Um, and they were saved. So, yeah, no, I, I would not be surprised at all if he said that. Because, I mean, this is part of, you know, as you mentioned, you know, his defense was designed to deal with offenses like this because this is where the game is going. I mean, it, it, it's not necessarily going to – you know, we've been in the spread offense era for a while now. So it's not like, uh, you know, everybody's going to try to do exactly what Western Kentucky did, uh, but more and more well. Um, and and obviously enough have not everybody has gone to that kind of tempo. People wish, still, I think back and forth as to the value of that. Well, Bell obviously likes it, but not everybody likes to play a thousand miles an hour. Cause you can so- sort of give up possessions that way and, and you know, have a possession without moving any clock when you need to. Um, but there are going to be more and more programs that do that because there are more and more sort of offensive minds that have grown up in this system and and this way of doing things. Um, So you have to be able to deal with that. You have to be able to deal with offenses that want to attack you and and want to wear your defense out. Um, And you've got to be ready for that. And Tom Allen, obviously has grown up as, as in, you know, in, in being a college defensive coordinator at this time. And so that's what he's basically seen is you're going to give up yards. And so you have to be just ready to not get overwhelmed um by these by these offenses the way they're operating so and the
0: and the scheme has to be structured like if you're not if you're not going to recruit at an elite level and it's not just indiana most people aren't then you're not going to have the kinds of athletes that can just win the one-on-one matchups enough to you know to to, to cancel out some of these things where you've got a, an elite pass rusher that's always disruptive even if the drop back is only you know i think i think Walt says. seconds is what they aim for between snap and throw and, you know, elite sort of man-to-man corners. Indiana got a couple pretty good ones to be fair. And Jalen Williams and Tywin Mullen, and you mentioned Mullen did play very well in that game, but in, in the same breath in the wider scheme, you know, this defense is supposed to be built for offenses like this and built for the idea that the scheme is going to mask the fact that in a lot of cases and give Western Kentucky a lot of credit. They had a great season last season um in a lot of cases you aren't going to have just the the sheer individual skill and athletic ability to just sort of defeat the tempo offense yourself you know just just kind of one-on-one and so you've got to be able to have a scheme that that can absorb some of it you know in, in this case tangibly probably can absorb the yards but can also sort of find ways to, to, you know, leverage the scheme within defending the offense to get you some, some sacks, some turnovers, um, some third down stops, et cetera.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. The scheme's got to work for you and, and it, like a combination of scheme and depth because when they're going to bring that, like, you know, they're not going to run the same three wide receivers every single time either. You know, like they, they're going to throw waves of them at you, you know, two, three shifts of wide receivers. So you can't go at that with just one shift of cornerbacks and one shift of safeties, you know, you've, you've got to be able to, to dip back a little bit and, and have your, um, you know, second level of cornerbacks be able to step in there and, and cover their second level wide receivers, you know, and, and safeties and nickels and et cetera. You've got to be able to delve into that. And, and your, your scheme has to be able to bottle it up. You know, it, it can't, it, you, you can't be putting um, you know, your corners on an Island every single time, you know, you, you, like I, I, Brandon Shelby uses the term cliff. You can't put those guys on the cliff all day. Um, and, and just trust that again, like I've said, if you're not recruiting at an incredible level, um, you're not going to have, you know, those type of guys that are out, you know, weigh those athletes. Cause again, they're going to come at you in waves. you got to be able to come back to them in waves. Um, and it, you, you got to have a system that ultimately keeps the ball in front of you and, and also can turn things around every once in a while, can get a pick, can end a, uh, possession early, you know, can get some sacks, like you said, like the, that can get to the quarterback, um, you know, that you can get a four-man rush and still get to the quarterback and be able to send, you know, seven guys back uh, and still be able to have somebody beat their guy one-on-one, you know, to get the quarterback or, you know, or or blitz somebody and get there really, really fast, um, you know, because they're going to get rid of it fast. There's there's a lot of things that you have to be able to counter that they're going to do. You got to be able to live with the fact that you're going to give up yards and not be, you know, overwhelmed by that, be able to trust your system enough that you can give up stuff in between the 30s and be okay. Um, you know all of those things. Um, so there's there's a lot that goes into being able to defend an offense like that, and you know, it, and scheme is a big part of it. Um, you know, so again, that's that's why Allen took things back, and and just depth and trusting guys uh, and and developing enough players that you can trust, even if they're not elite, overwhelming. Just guys that you can trust to make some plays sometimes uh, is a big deal.
0: The other thing that is interesting to me about this offense, and and I'm not I'm not what knocking Western Kentucky down let's also not make them out to be the greatest show on turf. Um, They beat a Hawaii team. That's really, really bad right now. A Hawaii team that lost worse to Vanderbilt than it did to Western Kentucky. So like routing Hawaii is not, does not put Western Kentucky in rarefied air at the moment. They're throwing the ball around. Well, it is interesting to me, both of their offensive coordinators, I believe were around last season. Um, Basically they have co-offensive coordinators. I think, Dan Arbuckle, if I if I'm remembering Ben
1: Arbuckle, Ben, ben Arbuckle was was quarterback the year before uh, Parker Hanna got to West Texas A and M. He is a puppy. He's like so.
0: He's one, and I think he's the play caller. The other one, uh, the other co offensive coordinator, and I'm checking this just while we're talking. I looked all this up earlier, and now I can. Of course, I can't remember it. Um, but the other co offensive coordinator is is Josh Crawford, who's their wide receivers coach. They were both at Western Kentucky last year. And Arbuckle was with Zach Kitley as a, as a quality control coach at Houston Baptist before he came to Western Kentucky. They were both coaching at the high school level in 2020. Yes. And and that is kind of the one area of this, not necessarily just specifically that high school coaches can't coach in college. Indiana's literally hired one. Um, But when you're talking about a guy who's got the experience Tom Allen's got calling a defense against two guys that – admittedly, you know, Arbuckle was in Texas, Crawford was in South Georgia. Like, those are, those are talent centers. The level of coaching in those places is going to be a lot higher than the average at the high school level, the level of scheme and complication and all that. Still, you know, as much as we talk about Western Kentucky the ways they're going to test Indiana – This is something unlike Western Kentucky has seen this Western Kentucky, this specific version of Western Kentucky with a new quarterback, two new offensive coordinators, young offensive coordinators, a new play caller, et cetera. Indiana should at least on paper be something unlike anything Western Kentucky has seen yet this season, both in terms of its athletic ability, just, just raw skill. And also the way guys are coached and schemed, et cetera, um, I think that chess match is going to be fascinating because I think there's there's probably going to be some times in Saturday's game where Indiana's scrambling, frankly, and and looking really back footed by Western Kentucky's offense. But I also really would not be surprised if there's some stretches where Indiana is I won't say dominating, but is is really dictating a lot of the terms of the game, defense to offense to Western Kentucky, given just how much has changed from a year ago.
1: Oh, yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I mean Indiana should win this football game. Um, it's just it, it just, it is pointing out going in that Western Kentucky is capable of winning this football game. And I, I think that's a big difference in terms of, and I think that's one reason why, uh, you know, Tom Allen even said it basically that, that it is a lot easier to get guys. Uh, up for this game than it was for Idaho I mean he, he said he was just sort of you know just losing his voice screaming about how they had to care about Idaho because that's a different team than you guys saw a year ago um, and still felt like he didn't necessarily get it through because even in a bad season they worked to Idaho 56-14 don't have that same problem this year be, this week because of, of Western Kentucky you know these guys have seen it but that being said you know uh, Austin Davis is not Bailey's app, you know, Bailey's app threw for 5,000 some odd yards last year. he thrown for some obnoxious number of yards, uh, at Houston Baptist. I think it was, he at Boise state even before that, before he transferred down to Houston Baptist. I don't know. One way or another that Baptist I'm really
0: not good. sure about it. I, I think he was, he was somewhere before Houston Baptist, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Right. So one way or another, he threw for just a gargantuan number of yards and he's in the NFL. Um, you know, he actually made the 53 man with, with the Patriots. Um, I, mean, I think, I mean, Jared Stearns have a, has a home, doesn't he? I mean, he was really, really good. Um, Where did he end up? Okay, I guess he's a free agent. I don't know. Somebody, I I I know somebody had him in camp. I guess he didn't. uh, He didn't, you know, stick on somebody's roster. But he was really good. Um, So no, I mean they 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 lost some just absolutely, you know, fantastic players uh, and a coordinator who went from you know basically in the span of two years went from Houston Baptist to Western Kentucky to Texas Tech. You know, like that's there is you know there were a couple guys just who were on rocket ships that you know that came through Western Kentucky on the way um, that they don't have anymore. But all the same, like the 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 system is going to be tough and difficult. But the level of talent, both from a play calling perspective and from a um, you know quarterback receiver perspective, is not going to be what it was a year ago. But it, it it hasn't fallen down so dramatically that they cease to be dangerous. Like they're they're not, but they are not that team. There's still, yeah,
0: yeah, there's somewhere between, and this kind of segues to talking about them on defense too. There's somewhere between, you know, just kind of a a middling group of five program that, you know, is, is in maybe the middle of one of these cycles that we see the better G5 programs go through of like they build up some talent, they get old together, they get really good, they have a couple really good years, a bunch of coaches get hired away, and the whole cycle kind of begins again. They go back to the bottom, but because it's Western Kentucky and not you know, I don't know, uh, rice, there is that sort of learned habit of, you know, this is what, a, this is the DNA of a good Western Kentucky team. And this is, we have a reputation, even as coaches leave and coaches come and all that. But I think it again, like segue to defense. I think the, the other part of this, that West better, good Western Kentucky teams tend to be able to do is not really dominate you on defense, but really create some chaos last season they were second in the country in uh i think they were fourth in the country in turnovers gained and second in the country in interceptions they they recorded 36 sacks in 14 games which is obviously a really healthy number this season they've already got 10 turnovers in in two games seven picks and i think five different guys have an interception so again it's not like there's just one guy you can say well don't throw to him and you'll be okay um the they've got uh, I think I want to say they've got seven sacks, six or seven sacks across across their first two games, ten quarterback hurries yep. across their first two games. Like they
1: tackles for loss, 16
0: yeah. tack, like they 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 create havoc. Now, the flip side is Austin P out gained them on the ground, not absurd obscenely, but it's they're not smothering even at even when they're playing teams that should be beneath them in the pyramid. They're not smothering defensively, but they cause chaos, not unlike their offense. They basically just try to cause chaos and and then capitalize when you make mistakes. And that's even given that, you know, they had one really, really good pass rusher last year, D'Angelo Malone. He's with the Falcons now. The two guys that they had that were co-leaders in interceptions last season. They only have three apiece, but they're both gone now. Um, One of them's at Minnesota Beanie. I can't remember his last name. His first name is Beanie. And I'm desperate for I'm desperate. Beanie Bishop. That's just what a wonderful name. Beanie Bishop. Uh, and he grad transferred to Minnesota. The other one, Omari Alexander, just was out of eligibility. The point is, the guys that sort of, at least on paper, led the charge a year ago are gone, and they're still doing a lot of this stuff. And that should kind of tell you that maybe this is just sort of who they are. Now, again, let's be really clear. Indiana's a lot better than Austin P. am I- willing to, to, to stake my reputation that Indiana's a lot better than Vanderbilt, or excuse me, a lot better than Miami, or good Lord, Zach, Indiana is a lot better than Hawaii. Hawaii is kind of a mess right now. They're at the beginning of a rebuild under Timmy Chang, which is fascinating in its own way, and we'll never talk about it because no one cares. But this is going to be kind of a defense that, you know, when we talk about, like, unfazed Bays, which is what A.J. Barner called Connor Bayslack uh, on uh, on Saturday night after the Indiana's win over Idaho, when we talk about whether or not Indiana's better running the football right now, or better running the football coming out of Idaho than they looked in a very bad game against Illinois. There's, this defense is going to challenge Indiana to basically stay controlled and poised, I think, as much as anything else. And it's, it's obviously a very different scheme, whatever, but it's kind of the same general idea as defending Western Kentucky's offense. Like, how out of sorts and discombobulated can they get you, and then can they take advantage of the mistakes when you, when you make them?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like the same concept of like when you, you when you play a basketball program that just wants to press the heck out of you, you know, and, and just again, just bring some form of chaos. Um, it's just a question of, of how much can you hang in there with that level of tempo when they want to run, all, like when they want to steal the basketball all the time, when they want to run all the time, you know, like you might be able to crush them doing that. You know, they might make a lot of mistakes, uh, but if you just hang in there long enough, you can get through it. know and and there might be opportunities for you because they do that um so i think that's it's it's going to be a similar situation of can you know does unfazed bays remain unfazed you know through whatever kind of havoc they're going to try to pull uh the fact that you're probably going to have a lot of back and forth as far as possessions go uh quick turns and stuff like that you know what is that going to be like um you know all that is stuff that that Bazelak in particular, and Indiana as, as a whole is going to have to deal with just just on both sides. It's going to be kind of wide open and kind of wild.
0: I think it is a big day for Bazelak. Like, you know, it's, it's he has been it, like I, I've seen Bill Conley, who I, I believe went to Missouri. Um, and so therefore sort of admits that he pays a little more attention to Missouri football than, than the average. Uh, Bill Conley, who of course, puts together the S P plus ratings for ESPN and, and does so much wonderful work uh, there. I think he's sort of highlighted in the first two games that like at least, at least as I perceive it through listening to him talk about it, like his perception of Connor Bazlack was almost that he was too safe at, at Missouri and that sometimes it could just get too bland essentially in some ways. Whereas now it's kind of boom or bust. He started four of 11 against Illinois. He started six of 17 against Idaho on the other hand, he's still through for 330 and a touchdown against Illinois, and that's not counting you know, the touchdown that obviously belongs to Sean Shivers, but really is made by Bazelak's marshalling of that last drive against the Illini. He's 10-12 for 148 yards and, a, and two touchdowns in the third quarter alone against Idaho. He's so good in the third quarter that Indiana doesn't feel compelled to throw a pass in the fourth quarter, and the fourth quarter kind of goes in some weird directions with just the, the, the flow of the game. But we have seen – not just for, like, one drive, but genuine windows of Connor Lack looking very good in this offense, looking very, you know, comfortable, and, you know, and, and he's talked a lot about, like, sometimes he can struggle to find that rhythm, but once he finds it, he feels really good, and he can just kind of carry things on. Um, this feels like a game where you need to see, you know, third quarter against Iowa, last drive against Illinois, Connor Lack more. Maybe not necessarily, you know, all four quarters. He can have some bad moments, but this can't be a game I don't think that he eases into. Because if if this turns into a track meet at any point if you're Indiana, you don't want to be playing from behind. And I just, you know, obviously it would really help Indiana if you can run the ball effectively like you did against Idaho and certainly didn't against Illinois. Um, but I do feel like this is one of those games where like if, if you told me right now that there was clear blue water between Austin Reed and Connor Bazelak in terms of quarterback performance Saturday, I would have, I would be very comfortable guessing Indiana won the game. And I just, I think that obviously there is an extent to which that is always true, but because of the, the build and the goals and the the sort of ambitions of these two offenses, I think it's more true here than it is, you know, in a lot of different cases. And it's, and it's more true, too, in a game like this where it's sort of, as much as we want to dig Western Kentucky up, there's still a Conference USA team. They're probably not as good as they were a year ago. And this game is a free hit for them. You know, they, 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 can, they can they can show up in Bloomington and lose by three touchdowns and no one will bat an eye. Indiana fans will be like, well, that was good. That was encouraging. That's exciting. But ultimately, we should be beating the Conference USA team. And we should be beating, beating them comfortably if we're at home. It just sort of feels like one of those games where you're going to need somebody who can manage the emotion of it and take the emotion out of it whenever Western Kentucky can start to build ahead of steam up. That's got to be the quarterback. And then when you talk about what Western Kentucky might do to disrupt Indiana, a lot of it feels like it's going to be in the passing game, in the pass defense that's on the quarterback. It just feels like a big day for Connor Bay's like,
1: Yeah, I know. I agree hundred percent. I mean, I think he, I think he's got the ability um, to, just take control of this football game I I, I think he like that's there it's just like you said I think it's a question of of having sort of the the better version of what we've seen of Connorba Bates like so far for a longer period of time uh, you know I, I think you know as, as you mentioned they're going to come at him um, like and and he's got to be able to handle that he's got to be able to stand that he's got to be able to, to to get over some you know bad moments quickly uh, I, I, and he ultimately and he mean obviously does he doesn't show signs of being bothered or anything like that. But, you know, it can take him a minute to get out of a funk basically.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's less like, I don't think he loses his composure, but he, the composure has got to translate to the performance. I think right. more exactly. this week than it has in the first two weeks. Right,
1: Exactly. He's never not composed. It's just, he just, this seems to have stretches where he's off. And then when he gets, he gets stretches when he's on, then he's on and he can stay on. Uh, and so that's the thing he needs to be able to stay on and just not hit, not hit low points. And, and, and again, you don't want to be in a position where, you know, like you fall behind 14, nothing, and then you're trying to come back because you might still end up hanging 45, but they might hang, hang more than that. You know, like that's, a, that's a you know, plausible scenario. If you make a couple of mistakes, if you give them for short fields and you start playing from behind, you know, you might get your rhythm, but that might not be enough. Um, so so that's definitely a situation. I don't think he can he can afford to have sort of a slow buildup um necessarily or anything like that or 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 make some big mistakes early and then ha- find himself having to to play through those. Um, you know, whether he's remains composed or not, you just don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be behind points here you don't want to be not keeping up with that track I meet mean, and you know like uh, just because we're coming off of of the weather issue last week uh it's worth pointing out it's going to be like 86 uh on or in in the 80s and sunny on saturday scorchio uh, so it's going to be gorgeous uh and a fun day to throw the football so
0: I no, I, I, And it also kind of lends itself back to this, this wider idea, which is like no team needs to look complete and perfect in mid, no, in mid September. And this one certainly that would, if, if the team is complete in mid September, it's not very good. And it's, it's, it's season is going to end in late November. Oh yeah. But you still feel like you don't, you have not seen a vintage performance from Indiana's offense and you know that if you if we just look at the schedule, the Hoosiers are likely to be the underdog, at very minimum in what the next the next one two three games. You know Maryland and Rutgers. I think that the the lines there are going to depend on what happens in the next month or the next four weeks, I should say. But like every game after this one through Michigan on October eighth. You're going to be the underdog. You need to get both arms around what your offensive identity is, where your comfort zones are, how you get that, how do you how you get to them? That's individually for a quarterback, a wide receiver core, an offensive line, a run game, whatever. It's collectively for the offense as a whole. You know, Western Kentucky, again, I don't want to make them sound amazing. There's still going to be some areas where I think Indiana's going to have some substantial, you know, uh uh the 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 old Charlie Weiss line, some decided schematic advantages. Um, this would be a good day for all the attendant reasons to just feel like you had a good day on offense, not a, not a good half or a good quarter, not, well, it, you know, when it worked, it was great. And when it didn't, we can clean that up, but you know, front to back, you don't have to play perfect again. You don't have to be the, the absolute finished article, but like, you know, 170 to 200 on the ground, 250 plus through the air, healthy completion percentage, win the game, don't turn the ball over. Just, just a, a a day that you can look at and say, like, see, this is this is the offense. This is why we hired Walt Bell. This is why we went out and got all these transfers. This is why we're comfortable with this guy in this spot and this guy in this spot and all those different things because this is what it can look like when when we really find our groove.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Um, just yeah, like the, just just sustainment. I think is the biggest thing. Um, just just be able to. I mean, I, I, you know, um, just to be able to look like have both sides have the run game and the pass game functioning well. Don't don't have periods where you know you, you're 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 going to punt sometimes. You're gonna you you might have a turnover or whatever. Um, but sustain success. You know, like a touchdown drive in all four quarters at least you know, somewhere, something in that range where you can sort of point to some level of success throughout the game and you can say, okay, these are the different ways you could do it. You prove that you can run the ball again against, you know, again, a smaller conference opponent, Um, you know, prove that Illinois, like Illinois was as schematically based as you said, Um, you know, just keep sort of providing information for that, that, you know, this is a team that can run the ball. It just wasn't going to run the ball against, um, you know, just an overloaded front. Uh, Anything like that, I think. Uh, just, just something, just something that you could point to, like you said, that's sturdy. That is, this is who we're going to be, and this is what you can take to the bank of who we are, going into Cincinnati and then conference play.
0: It's a brief point. I do think it just needs said. This is also the sort of game, you know, and I, in my sort of five things, you know, look ahead to the game. I, I, I cited the old Bob Knight line about getting yourself in position to get in position. It's hard to see a run to a bowl game without a win on Saturday, and and not just because if you can't beat Western Kentucky, how are you going to beat these other teams? But also because you know this is the last of the games that you can you sort of needed to afford you needed to win Illinois because you did you couldn't start the season on the wrong side of the eight ball. Like you could afford to lose like one of Illinois at Nebraska, Maryland, Rutgers. You know, in these first eight weeks but you, it felt like losing the first one was going to basically put you right on the edge. It was going to take you all the way up to the cliff edge. You had to beat Idaho for all the obvious reasons you had to beat. I think you have to beat Western Kentucky because this is the last, this is the last of the bankers that lets you say, okay, our starting point this season was three and zero. you know, like before, before a ball was kicked thrown or fumbled, our, we started 3-0, and basically. And then from there, it's what we did with the remaining opportunities we had. You lose this game. Yes, there's the, the sort of rhetorical idea. Well, how are they going to beat Cincinnati on the road if they can't beat Western Kentucky at home? But there's also just kind of the idea of – it feels like this team they' there none of these three games really it felt like this team could afford to lose in the way that if Indiana had opened with Ohio State like they did in 2017 you could say well just write that off you know you just just you're playing an 11 game season and if you find a way to win that game Hallelujah praise the Lord amen but but really your business is the 11 games that come after that they needed to win these three. To give themselves the platform to push for three more minimum in the in the last nine, and they've done they've they've gotten themselves here. They've got to seize this opportunity and give themselves that platform.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, like I've I've said it before. I mean, I think the, um, you've got six that I think are winnable uh, that that are that are really winnable. You know, um, not nothing automatic about them. You could lose any of them, but there's six that I think you can point to and say, okay, like you, no one is gonna be surprised if you shocked if you win that football game. You know, like you might be underdogs in some of them, but there are six that you can look at and say oh, that that those look reasonable. Um, because again, after that it's tough. You know, what what that, are the
0: six? Is it is it these three plus like
1: three Nebraska, Maryland, and Rutgers. Yeah. And then after that you have um, you know, because because Cincinnati, you're going to be a dog, you know, obviously you are against Penn state, uh, obviously you are against Michigan, obviously you are against a uh, Penn state, Ohio state, Michigan state. And I think you're still a pretty significant dog against Purdue. You know, I, I, and, and you, you might get to November and think that that's not a game you could even dream of them winning, you know? Um, I, I don't know if that'll be the case. I mean, Purdue was probably, they'll probably have some tough things because they, they, you know, didn't run the ball very well at all against you know, Penn State and couldn't trust it enough down the stretch where they just kept flinging it, kept throwing it, kept throwing it when they, it, they, they really needed to, to run some more clock and they might have been able to hold on and win that game if they did. Um, but I think, you know, like you just you, – you can't trust that Purdue and Cincinnati are winnable and you certainly can never trust that Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan and Michigan State are winnable. Um, so, you know, you, I, you almost have to go into it thinking there are six that you can win and you got to get all six and this is one of the six.
0: Indiana, Western Kentucky, noon Saturday, Memorial Stadium, Bloomington, Indiana. We will obviously be there uh, for that. So we'll, our our compatriot Tyler Tackman uh, will have all sorts of coverage for you coming out of that game. Uh, we'll have the Sunday night podcast, the Sunday night mind your banners, as we always do. And then after that, we'll be talking about we we'll casting our minds ahead to Cincinnati, but the Hoosiers have to to clear Western Kentucky first. For Dustin Deparch, I'm Zach Osterman. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you soon.